when I envisioned the series, what I envisioned us talking about was basically this idea of grace, of grace. And throughout this series, that's been the idea that we've been tackling from different angles, hopefully. This idea that the love of God and salvation is a free gift. And we've been looking at that, as I said, from a few different angles. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about uh, this baked-in impulse that we all have as human beings to earn everything we get through striving. And how Jesus teaches us that the antidote to our striving and to our toiling is really uh, not to work harder. Rather, it is to abide in Him. And another word that we can use to describe this idea of abiding is rest. Rest. And really, when you think about the idea of rest and the idea of grace, they are very comfortable together, aren't they? Because grace is not an, uh, an effortful thing. It is a kind of restful notion, isn't it? it? It was the great church father Augustine who first said that our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. I think uh, probably... The, those people in your life who you have met who experience grace most acutely and live out of that place of an experience of the grace of God most profoundly are those who are probably most restful, right? Uh, have you any, ever any, known anyone like that? Somebody who had this vital connection to Jesus and they were not particularly stressed out, right? They were restful, not uh, now, this isn't a person who can tell you kind of theological ideas about grace or lives out or, or can talk about the idea, but somebody who in the experience of their lives has experienced the grace of God in the person of Jesus, and that has caused a kind of quietness maybe even in their heart, a kind of humility, a kind of restfulness that, kind, that, that overshadows everything that they do. It's powerful when you spend time with a person like that, isn't it? Because we, are, we tend to be just these balls of anxiety, right, and anxiousness and doing. And yet, there is an invitation in the Scriptures to a kind of restfulness as a response to the grace of God. A restfulness that is a response to the grace of God. Dallas Willard is a, was a famous writer on discipleship. If you haven't read any Dallas Willard, I would suggest you go pick up a book. He's great. And Willard was asked one time by a friend of his to describe Jesus in one word, just one word. What, what's the one word you would use to describe Jesus? And the word that Willard chose was not a word that many of us would think uh, on the face we would use to describe Jesus. You would think holy, loving, you know, these are the types of words that you would think you would use. The, the word that Dallas used to describe Jesus was relaxed, relaxed. Maybe unhurried is a better way of putting that, right? And when you, when you read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels through the lens of this idea of Jesus being relaxed or unhurried, it begins to make sense. Jesus is asleep at the bottom of a boat, right? When there's a storm about and his disciples have to come wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you realize that we are going to die? And he's like, can't a guy take a nap, Right? He's walking down the road, and he's interrupted by a, a, a man in a tree, Zacchaeus. And what does he say to Zacchaeus? Let's go have dinner at your place, right? 
He's on his way to, uh, he's, he's traveling, and rather than take a direct route, what does he do? He, he goes to Samaria, or rather, he goes to Samaria to meet a random woman at a well to have this prolonged conversation with her for no particular reason at all. Jesus, there was something about the way in which Jesus lived his life that was unhurried to the max. He seemed to have time for everything he needed to have time for, didn't he? You see, we think the spiritual life is something that has to do with striving and working and struggling. This is inherently what we think it is. But I, but I think uh, that is not necessarily the best or highest form of the spiritual life. In fact, uh, I don't think that's what Jesus wanted for his disciples at all, for us to be these little balls of energy and, and anxiety, always striving, always working, always, always nervously going about our business, always worried that maybe something we did might have been the wrong thing to do. I don't think that's what Jesus has for his followers. Because this is not how Jesus acted. This is not how he carried himself out into the world. We are, by nature, as we said last week, striving people. We are people who read the Bible through this lens of striving as well. We think that everything in our lives is earned, and we struggle to receive the grace of God. And it begins to be a lens through which we even read the Scriptures. Uh, and, but the, even the passages that we read that we think are about the strenuous nature of the Christian faith, I don't think are, are actually intended to be read that way. I think, in fact, we overlay over some passages of Scripture some ideas that were not inherent to them. All right? So follow me here. An example of this, I think, is found in Galatians 2.20. In Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Galatian church, and this is what he says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, sometimes when we hear that passage, we think, my goodness, crucified with Christ? That feels quite painful and quite difficult, right? And, uh, and I've heard, this is the way I've heard this passage taught very often, right? You need to crucify yourself. You, you need to do the hardest possible thing. You need to put your life in the vice of the crucifixion of Jesus, and you need to make it hard and difficult, right? This is, if, just hands. Is this kind of how you've heard this passage preached before? It's not only me, I hope. Now, here's the thing. The Christian life is not devoid of pain. It's not, right? Any of us who have lived any period of time on this earth know that, know that there's pain in this life, that there are things that are difficult, and, dis, and becoming a disciple of Jesus is not always, quote-unquote, easy. It's not as easy as staying in bed, right? Staying in bed is easy, but it's a type of easy that actually turns out to be bad for you very often. Uh, but what I hear Paul saying in this passage, to be honest, is not, I don't hear him saying this with a strain in his voice. I really don't. I don't see him beating himself up when he says this in Galatians 2.20. I kind of hear him saying it with his feet up on his desk. 
to be honest with you. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, Paul says in this passage. Yes, to follow Jesus, uh, there is a dying that must take place, that we must die to ourselves, and there is some good things that we must die to. But you see, central to the teachings of Jesus is that the way that we live, the way that we live uh, on, the way that we live on our own is actually far more strenuous and stressful than the life we live in Christ. Does this make sense? When Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, I hear him saying, stop spinning your wheels, Stop white-knuckling your own life as you, as you hold the reins to this thing called life. Instead, die to those things. You see, dying to yourself has some advantages. It really does. I'm sure some of you have seen those movies or read a story about people who fake their death in order to get out of taxes or something, right? Uh, Maybe they, maybe they don't like the marriage they're in and they don't want to get a divorce, so they fake their death, right? They, they put a brick on the, on the gas pedal and they run their car off a cliff. I don't know. Somehow they try to get away with it. The reason somebody fakes their death is because they feel trapped in their life, right? And they feel like there's no other way to get a fresh start. And so they want to, they want to fake their death and go live in Florida or something. I don't know where people who fake their death go to live, but I feel like it's probably Florida. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, is that faking your death almost never works, right? Anytime you see it in a movie, it, it never really pans out. But there is something to that idea, right, of restarting your life, of, of renewing your life, of having all of the things that weigh you down kind of fall away and be kind of put away and that your life starts anew. And what we have, I think, in that passage in Galatians and the invitation that is given to Christians by Jesus is a kind of death to an old way of being. It is a kind of death to a life that keeps us bound, that keeps us anxious, that keeps us nervous. It is a death to a kind of life that is, where we operate under our own steam. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. There is a great paradox in the scriptures, and that great paradox is that this this process of dying to ourselves is actually the kind of prerequisite for living a free, restful, unhurried life, which sounds interesting, right? We think of dying to ourselves as this this thing that takes, requires a lot of effort. But when we read the scriptures, it becomes quite clear that the dying to ourselves is, about, is kind of like the gateway into our freedom, is into a free life lived in Christ, which leads us to our teaching text for today out of Matthew 11. And I'm going to read it one more time, and then I'm going to read it in another version, all right? It's just so we can let it sink in this morning. So in Matthew eleven twenty eight, we read, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, this passage is also uh, translated by a pastor 
named Eugene Peterson in a version of the Bible called the Message Version, which I think is really, really uh, a beautiful uh, a, a beautiful rendering of this passage, and so I want to read that one as well. So, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 from the Message Bible. Here's what it says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I've read this passage before in church, and I'll probably read it again, but I can't get over that phrase, the unforced rhythms of God's grace. This is the great paradox that I was talking about earlier. Dying to ourselves is the easy yoke. Dying to ourselves is the easy yoke that Jesus speaks about in this passage. This is the same Jesus who says, take up your cross and follow me, right? The same Jesus who says, take up your cross and follow me, which sounds quite strenuous and difficult, is the same Jesus who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's fascinating, isn't it? That those two realities in the scriptures and in the teachings of Jesus kind of sit next to one another. It doesn't make much sense, does it, to us naturally, but it's so important for us to understand, and I think it is the core idea behind the grace of God, that, that God's love in the person of Jesus is given to us in such a way so that we can die to our own effort and we can be uh, reborn into the kingdom of God, into this loving and trusting relationship with the person of Jesus, that what does it do? It in, a, it, in a sense, sets us at our ease because we release or we let go of all of the things in this life that as we cling to them tightly naturally cause us the type of pain, the type of discomfort, the kind of, well, the anxiousness that we all feel. Have you ever thought that the reason you are so troubled is because you're clinging to something that you were never meant to carry? You're holding tightly to things that you were never meant to hold tightly to. You know, it's, the scriptures also tell us that when we lose our lives is when we find them. It's a paradox, but it turns out that it's a paradox that is also true. Here's the, here's the reality, and this is on the screen. Life lived in our own power is struggle. Life lived in Christ is restful. Life lived in our own power is struggle. Life lived in Christ is restful. Or at least it's supposed to be, <laughs> right? Or at least that's the idea. But how many of us don't experience that on a daily basis? We don't experience the easy yoke of Jesus. We experience the non-restful reality of our postmodern world, right? We experience Facebook posts coming at us. We experience, well, politics in general, right? We experience all of the things in this world, whether they be physical problems with our own bodies, whether they be relational issues. We experience them, and yet we don't die to them. Because for some reason, it is an inherent desire, maybe a sinful desire in the heart of every human being to cling tightly to our lives, to not let them go. 
And yet the grace of God always comes knocking on our door, asking us to relinquish our own lives to him, to place them in the hands of the one who they were meant to be in in the first place, and to step into this restful, easy yoke, unforced rhythms type of life. Now, does that mean there's no effort in the human life? No, this is not an easy chair thing, right? It's not about a lack of effort, but it is about the way in which we experience our effort and the place from which our effort flows. Some of you might be familiar with the 20th century theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German theologian uh, who was in the United States in New York City when World War II broke out and the and the Nazis took over Germany in his home country. And rather than staying in the United States, to, he had a cushy professorship, he went back to Germany. He started a seminary and a resistance movement against the Nazis. Uh, Bonhoeffer uh, was eventually imprisoned uh, and executed uh, as an as a insurrectionist against Hitler. But Bonhoeffer, in his writing, talks a lot about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what it looks like to, uh, and what that discipleship, how it practically works out in our lives. And uh, talking about this idea of the cross in the life of a Christian, this is what Bonhoeffer says. He says, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering, which every man must experience, is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is, it is that dying of the old man, which is the result of his encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work uh, to follow him, or it may be a death like Luther's who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time, death in Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. It's a powerful reminder to us. It's a powerful reminder to us that in order to live the life that Christ calls us to, we have to take on the cross of Christ. We have to heed the call to come and die. And so, this is kind of a short message this morning, but here's the question for those of you who are here. What do you need to die to? What do you need to die to? It's a very simple question, but I think it's an important one. And it's probably the doorway to your freedom, right? Very often, the things we need to die to are the things that are bringing us the most stress. Doesn't mean we ignore them or that we, again, it's not, it's not a lay on your back type of, type of invitation. But it is a kind of release of control. Is work stressing you out, Right? Is COVID just constantly bouncing around your head? Maybe you're, maybe you're attempting to control things too much, and it's causing you uh, a, a bunch of stress. And what you need to do is you need to learn to abide in Christ and not control people so much, right? Is parenting causing you stress? Parenting causes me stress, 
right? And do you know why parenting usually causes me stress? Because I don't do it out of a place of abiding with Christ. Because I don't do it out of this place of vital connection that I don't allow, that, that I'm trying to do it under my own steam and that I haven't died to myself. I have too much of my own ego caught up in what it means to be a parent, right? And so I try all these things and I work all this way and what I end up becoming is just stressful and mad, right? But if I die to that thing, if I relinquish my hold on what it means to be a parent, that in some ways I can step into the true version of myself as a parent because I become all that I was intended to be in the hand of a loving God who created me and gave me four kids. It's pretty good. Maybe you're stressful in this place because you just have unrealistic expectations, right? You've been trying to, uh, to build a life for yourself You've been trying to build a certain type of life for yourself and you feel like that life that you wanted or that life that you've trying to build just isn't taking shape the way you wishes, wish it had. And so that causes just stress. It causes anxiety. It creates a sense of, oh, what's going on? Have you tried relinquishing that vision of the life that you want to the person of Jesus? Have you tried dying to it? Have you tried letting it go? And seeing what God does with your life when you place it fully and completely in his hands. You see, we all have plans. We all have desires. We all have wants. And I'm not saying that we deny those things. I think some of those things are very good. I have a desire for sweet potato pie, and I'm going to eat it after church today, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we cling too tightly to our lives, when we love them too much, when we have a vision of what my life is supposed to be and we fight for it and we claw for it, what we actually do is we take the reins away from Jesus and we think that our hands are the safest hands. And it creates this kind of anxiety and this kind of pain. But what we are called to do is to step into what I would call a kind of holy indifference. This, or, or maybe just trust is a better word, where we trustingly put the things in our lives that discourage us and distract us. We, we actively put those things in the hands of God. We actively surrender them up to him, and then we see what he can do with it. Because my, my hunch is that he can do a little bit more with it than we can. And, and, and our abiding with Christ will yield more fruit in our lives than our straining ever will. That our, uh, our, our staying up late at night, just kind of rolling over, worrying about that thing, or worrying about our kids, or worrying about our job, or worrying about our money, that when we actually actively relinquish those things, when we die to them and we place them in the hands of Jesus, in some way, somehow, God will work all things together for his good, and it will be well with our souls. And so, Olivia, if you could come up, it'd be great. And so the question this morning is, what do you got to die to? What is God calling you to die to? What is the Spirit kind of knocking on the door of your heart saying, you need to die to this today or this week? Now, here's the thing. Dying to anything is not a one-time thing, isn't it? Is it? Like, I, here's what I, I got I to gotta die to, uh, 
to a lot of things often, right? It's this active, it's dying to self and dying to th these things in our lives. It's an active, um, it's an active thing. It's not a passive thing. So we have to kind of relinquish our grip and we have to give those things to Jesus and we have to kind of lay our burdens down at his feet and we have to die. And we ha might have to do that. Paul says, I die daily, right, in, in, the, in the letters. And so I just want to take a moment here this morning, just a moment of reflection, maybe 30 seconds, wherever you are, right, right in your seat this morning. And I just want you to ask God, what, what is it that I need to die to? And here's the, here's, the, here's the help. What is stressing you out the most? <laughs> That's probably it, all right? So I'm going to help you there. But there might also be something that God wants to put his finger on in your life this morning. And so just for a minute, I just want us to be quiet here in this place. And I just want us to ask, what do I have to die to? Maybe you're in this place this morning, you're like, I just don't even think any part of my life is with Christ. And you literally just need to die to yourself. You need to follow Jesus. You need to believe on him and give your life over to him fully and say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm a, I'm a disciple. I don't know what it is for you this morning. But I just want to take 30, 45 seconds and uh, just in quiet reflection. I don't think we do quiet reflection enough in the church. So uh, right where you are, just in a posture of prayer, would you just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do I need to die to? What do I need to die to? What are you putting your finger on in my life? And then we'll come back and pray in a moment. All right? Jesus, we thank you that you loved us enough to come to this earth, to put on flesh, to live a life that we couldn't ourselves live, that you went to the cross for us, that you laid down your life on our behalf, all so that we might have life. And we thank you, Jesus, for your resurrection that tells us uh, without a doubt, without a doubt, that new, newness of life is available to us in you. And so uh, we just pray this morning, I pray for my friends this morning, that they would be empowered to lay down, to let go, to die to those things in their lives that you're asking them, you're telling them, you're communicating to them they need to die to. Would we be a people who do not hold tightly to our own lives, but rather learn to relinquish them to you? And by so doing, would we become some of the most unhurried, 
restful, joyful, loving people on the planet. Because we know that our life is not our own and that we are not the stewards of it. Rather, we operate in this life out of, out of an abundance of grace and out of a place of joy as we serve you. So Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your, uh, of your life. And we thank you for the grace that is always streaming towards us. And we pray this morning, as we go from this place, that you'd help us to lay down our lives, that you'd help us to die to ourselves so that we may have a restful and unhurried life. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen and amen. All right. All right. Well, thanks for...